the dog it's just like a dog spinning its head rapidly in place and it's not its intention and then it's with ting and papa gurnlogan so it's like of course why wouldn't you arnold did you see it uh, i did not i sent a gif in the in our little discord and just look at it real quick I don't know if you're looking at that. Okay. He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It just keeps going, and the dog. Like, <laughs> All I can hear is the music playing. Like, whoa, whoa, fight the fowler. <laughs> but yes, um, okay. So, you guys ready? Yeah. Ready as it can be. Okay, dokie. I don't drop a pan into the microphone and make a horrible racket. <laughs> okay, so got everything situated. Um, that sounds good, right? Yeah, everything sounds fine. It's the first episode. I was just more concerned of that I hear voices other than myself um, <laughs> and whatnot. So it's not James. James battles the voices in his head <laughs> which is the ongoing <laughs> podcast of my life that podcast won't end um but yes all right we'll start in three two and one <laughs> welcome everybody to the first episode, technically, of... The second first episode. Uh, the 1.5 episode yeah, of Key Items. Um, if you are hearing this and you're like, oh, and this is the first episode. This is what they say on their website and everything. Well, listener, let me tell you a story about a young man on what was it, Saturday <laughs> when he was deciding to edit... The episode that him and his friends had recorded previously, and he only heard himself. Because it would have been a very different experience for you, the listener at home. It would have been a very, and you know what? At some point, I may upload it, and then you can just hear me talk and respond to nothingness because the output (laughs) audio. Yelling at the void here. Yes, because the output audio was not connected correctly. And I just was talking to myself. So I'm going to reintroduce the podcast and reintroduce my co-host here. So this is the Key Items Podcast. We are a gaming and manga and nerd media podcast. And we essentially will be covering different topics for every episode and having a few shenanigans in between. Um, I am your host, as you may have heard already, James, and my co-host, are Dustin and Arnold and yeah so basically our podcast like we had said before we'll just be covering some of that kind of material gaming material nerd material yada 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 and yeah you know I've never been good at the whole introduction thing so we'll just kick it into it I actually wanted to before we go into our topic for today I wanted to get into a little bit of news and stuff that I have been learning about and just some casual talk, if I'm honest, because there's a few things I have on my mind. 
One thing I wanted to talk about, I just found this out today. Everyone probably knew about it before me. But Saint Seiya, the original anime, is on Netflix now. And I'm is going it? To be, yes. I did not know this. I knew yes. there was the new one. I didn't know the original was up. So there. they had the re they had the the redesign one or the remake <laughs> right. one on Netflix. The CGI one, right? Well, no, no. There's another one. So they have a oh, Saint okay. Seiya where they did like some redos or what. I don't know if it's supposed to be origin story or whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. That one exists on, I believe, Hulu and Netflix. Right. Then the one that you're referring to, the CG one that I don't want to touch with the ten foot pole, that yeah, one, understandable. That one is on Netflix as well. Well, today, as me and my girlfriend are sitting down to eat, I'm like, we'll put on some background noise, and we usually put on forensic files. And so I was about to put on forensic <laughs> files for Netflix, and Saint Seiya is the first thing that pops up, and I I did not get excited at first. I was like. Don't do this to yourself. This is this is room for failure. All roads lead to failure when you get excited about an old school anime being available for you through non-nefarious means. So I clicked play, and lo and behold, the intro to the original Saint Seiya came up in all its drawn, sketchy glory. And I'm going to binge the shit out of that. <laughs> I am so excited. Um, I'm glad you're excited about it. I know nothing about this anime. Saint Seiya is like Sailor Moon with guys. Yep, with cool armors and zodiac signs, and it's just it's, it's good. They have all sorts of like standing poses, mm-hmm. and they look effeminate, and they kick and punch, and they have all glorious like. It's great. It's like, it's like if JoJo characters fused with their stands. Yeah, that's actually good. Not a bad way to describe it. Yeah, anyways. yeah. So that's exciting news for me. <laughs> um, on the anime token, brushing that aside, this is something we all can talk about. Um, I sent you guys the article this morning, but I know I had talked about it with you guys um, earlier this week, um, and I'm sure everyone has been talking about it before. But I am. I have been con- like, I've been given vindication. Um, around Riot versus Blizzard and all of Riot's like little schemes that they're doing. Mm-hmm. All those little like sneaky, uh, hey, look, there's a market to be had here. So basically, for those of you who don't know by now, um, well, everyone should know off the bat that Blizzard's in deep doo-doo because of the crap they've been doing with um, withholding people to voice their opinions about the mm-hmm. human tragedies and stuff that's happening in Hong Kong via mm-hmm. China's um, government to, and totalitarian right. rule and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, everyone should know at this point in gaming news that Blizzard has basically been like, oh no, we can't allow you to do that. And so they did a whole bunch of stuff and they've been basically hiding with their tail behind their legs and everything like that. Well... What people may not know is that Riot, the creators of League of Legends, has been like very little else. Yeah, and very little else up until (laughs) literally this point. (laughs) They have been they they have now gotten to the point where their cojones are so big that they can basically like they're basically like making these different types of games now that are literally branching into Blizzard. 
So, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, of course, Blizzard has Overwatch and Hearthstone. It also has um, um, World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. Um, Riot Games has now made a sim, a sim, a simulator type game, which I think is supposed to be their target towards the kind of more World of Warcraft audience. But then, is it that or StarCraft? Is that the is what's the target with the sim game? You know, it could be StarCraft. Because there's still there's still a market for StarCraft out there for some people. Yeah, it could be a StarCraft type. And then you have their they literally made a card game that has better purchases within there without using loot boxes. It they, wasn't the thing uh, once per week you get a card of your choosing. You can as like a weekly quest. Yes, you can like do like a weekly quest to get a card of your choosing within the deck that you're looking for, and then there's also the complication around. Overwatch, the character action shooter, I mean, um, yeah, action um, um, shooter and whatnot, that game, they have now made a game that's basically copying that, but with even more mm-hmm. details in it. Then, I didn't even notice this, and I looked at the video that Riot released about it. There is a point in the video where they're talking about their mobile League of Legends game, where the, mm-hmm. the woman speaking, I believe she says it, she says... Or maybe there was a guy who said, I forgot who was introducing it, but whoever was saying it, the, the I person, think it was the lady the lady, talking about it. She said, hey, I guess you guys do have cell phones. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she basically <laughs> took the shots line. Fired. Shot, shots yeah, fired. Legit shots fired. Like, everything up until then was like a ha neener, neener kind of thing. But this was like legit... I have stepped up in your turf. I took your line that created hate and took it to create hype. And what kills me is this, is that Riot is completely owned by a Chinese company. But there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of hate towards Riot. And I think I know why, and it makes a lot of sense why. As far as politics goes... I think a lot of people are in agreement that what China is doing in Hong Kong is jacked up. However, Riot has yet to act upon anything that has said that. um, And they have only given their fans what they want. Not not sort of a more of a preempt. It's it's. It's bad to say, but if someone's going to be censoring, it's much less bad PR less bad PR. the PR is much less bad if they take preemptive action than if they take punitive action but it's also this is this is something I thought about too mm-hmm. um Blizzard has been failing its client base it's it's um mm-hmm. it's it's player base for years at this point now while riot has only been climbing upward and has finally done something that like players have been asking for. Needless to say, the fighting game that they're making and them changing up Summoner's Rift to an extreme degree um, and changing and also, the lore. I don't, you, I don't know if you watched the whole video, but they're going to bring a, a version of League onto consoles. Yeah, no, no. That's the one that they were talking about with the mobile game. So, huh. they, yeah, they've made a, they, that mobile game. I'm not sure if it's the exact same game, but they have made a game for consoles now. So people can play League of Legends in a certain format with their their friends and everything like that. Um, I think that's really smart on one hand. 
the, and I'll say the positives about this in my opinion. It shows that League is taking the money that they're getting from all their like resources and stuff and actually mm-hmm. putting it back into the company in a way to create more content. Yeah, back into development rather than back, just marketing or, or CEOs or, like or CEO salaries. Right, CEO salaries. They have to like go thousands of employees. Right, right. Gosh, yeah, yeah P- Blizzard is really happen. working on some negative PR because there was the whole debacle with uh, the mobile phone thing, which we already mentioned. Mm-hmm. There was the mass firing mm-hmm. that was a, hey, we're doing well, but we want to reallocate resources. Mm-hmm. Hell, just the getting bought by Activision. Yeah, yeah. Like, no one like that. A lot of, not a, not a lot of... Sorry, I'm just thinking of the meme there. But not a lot of uh not a lot of good karma to work off of. That took me forever to get that out, but <laughs> Well, know. speaking of good karma, they also released a skin for their champion known as yeah. Karma, who's <laughs> taking all the proceeds. I may actually buy this and skin. I just, I just now caught the pun on. <laughs> uh, I ugh. I may actually buy the the skin for this karma skin, because all the proceeds go directly to charity. <laughs> None of it goes to Riot. My biggest thing about purchasing skins is like, I have paid for enough skins from you. You realize, too, this is also, in a way, another shot fired. Because, you know, it was a good thing. I will say this is one of the good bits of PR that Blizzard was engaged in. With their whole Mercy oh, yeah. skin for uh-huh. breast cancer awareness. So. Yeah. Kind of like, hey, we can do this too. They, they, they don't have a monopoly on the on the positives here. It is ironic that Blizzard had Overwatch, which was their flagship things for good PR because it integrated multicultural and different genders mm-hmm. into gaming in a big way that made everyone feel unified. And now that same platform is now causing them issues. Um, yeah, it's really ironic in many ways. But I was going to say that the good thing with with Riot is that they're doing all of this. The only downside that I can see from this is that they feel because I forgot to mention they're doing an animated series too, which I'm mm-hmm. hyped for. Um, they are now splitting their bucket, like mm-hmm. they are now going in many different directions as opposed to one direction, and they're doing it all at once. So, yeah, it's, it does seem like a possibility to kind of overextend there, but time will tell. Yeah, I'm hoping for most of them to be good. Although I'm that actually, fighting game has been in work for a while, I must say. Yeah, I don't know how that fighting game is going to pan out. I do not see it breaking levels at Evo no. anytime soon. But it might do pretty well. I'm, 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 I am cautiously optimistic. I hope it is a 3D fighter because the character models look chunky. And chunky three D yeah. models do not work in two D Street no. Fighter. Um, but um, I was going to say, <laughs> I don't like them. They look all big and puffy. Um, but okay, so that's my news. Anyone has any news they want to spout about for a little bit? That's the big thing that I've been paying attention to this week. It's hard to hard to miss all the news about Blizzard in China and and, and Riot. Yeah. By association. Yeah. What about you, Arnold? No, that's uh, pretty much all the recent news I know about, too. Okay. I'm glad that they're making an entire animated series. 
Everyone's yeah. begging them to make one. That's what people have been wanting. That's what people want from Overwatch. That's if, if Blizzard wants good PR, just step back and make an anime series. Most <laughs> most of them, if they both made an anime series, it would be phenomenal. And honestly, Blizzard has the stronger one in that because their almost all their cutscenes have been voiced and mm-hmm. have like actual lore in it, and we know the voice actors and voice actresses. And they're really talented. Are um, you telling me League doesn't have lore? No, see, League has lore that they keep rewriting. And League's lore has That's gotten rough. so gigantic that League's, it's... League's lore has more rewrites than Marvel Comics, I think, at this point. I don't think anything <laughs> outside of DC Comics okay. has it's, that it's, many it's, rewrites. It, they're, they're working on it, though. They're shooting for that, shooting for they, that new 52 reboot. You know what, though? You joke, but you probably are right because... Someone made a joke the other day that they are trying to become the Marvel Cinematic Universe of video games. And it's kind of true. They already yeah. have literal Marvel comics. They have actual you know the, comic uh, books. Yeah, it's true. You know, that's also on that note, uh, that was something that um, came up with SNKs, uh, and with people investing in SNK that they wanted to turn the uh, SNK franchises, King of Fighters and Samurai Showdown and all those into a uh, multimedia franchise in the vein of uh, Marvel Comics. Huh. Yeah, but... And there has been some work in that. It's kind of been under the radar. I mean, there's a, there's a CGI anime series that is okay, but looks ugly as sin, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of marketing to mobile games, some of which are good and some of which are, are, are not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, we don't have any news. I'll get straight into the topic for today's episode. Today's episode, we're going to just go with the title Alpha. Um, Basically, we're going with beginnings of video games. Um, Basically, what my idea around this episode is basically for our topic at hand is to just discuss the beginnings of video games, how they are for us in each video game, what particulars we enjoyed in certain video games, what a beginning to a video game means, actually. And let's start with that first, before we get into the nitty-gritty of all these different games that we brought up. What is the beginning of a game for you guys? <laughs> I was about to speak you up. First Arnold, you can go ahead. Alright. So usually the beginning, for me, I like to like know a bit about a little bit of the story of the game they can introduce that to me mm-hmm. not just drop me off mm-hmm. but that's only if the game is has a lot of lore for me to read and mm-hmm. i don't expect like a whole bunch of story from like let's say a fighting game like mortal Kombat. you know i don't i don't expect first level oh man here's this book to read no that's not how it works but if i'm re- usually i enjoy a good bit of reading at the beginning of a game if i can mm-hmm. okay just okay. so I can learn the world. Okay, so just like for you, it's learning the world. Yeah. Learning what you're getting into. Okay. Um, Dustin. So something that, to me, the beginning of a game is often kind of what makes or breaks my interest in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like a, some of the games that have the most, um, I don't want to say addictive properties, because I think that's... Uh, there's that's a legitimate concern for some people now but the things that get you like hooked in the game whether that be teaching you the mechanics and there's a weird balance between holding i think so holding somebody's hand too much with the game um so that they're getting too too much um 
what's the word I'm looking for? That it's too many tutorials. Too many right? tutorials, mm -hmm. but also, holding yeah, holding your hand a little too much versus tossing somebody in there with no idea what they're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I think it needs to be, like Arnold said, some story is good. I admit if I have to read a lot of scrolling cutscenes, I kind of get a little frustrated sometimes with certain games. Um, if that's the very first thing it gives me. But I do think there's sort of a need to get some of that story out there, get somebody hooked. Um, yeah, but also kind of teach them what the game's about. You know, if I can't tell what a game's about, at least the fundamentals in the first, like, half hour to an hour, then the tutorial probably, or the beginning could probably be tightened up a little bit, in my opinion. But Okay. You guys are definitely coming from it from what I would consider, like, a mechanical standpoint. Um, at least from what I, every, everything you guys are saying. Um, not to say that you guys aren't putting anything in it that's outside of the mechanics, but, like, Arnold, you're saying, like, you don't mind, like, some text drawn out. You don't mind, like, some... some um, oh, like exposition. a cutscene. Yeah, you don't mind some exposition yeah. given to you. And I mean, Dustin, it just depends on the game, I guess, well, though. Well, yeah, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is, like, your... This has to be for it to be good. But I'm saying, in general, that's what you're kind of leaning towards. And, Dustin, yeah. you're kind of leaning towards something that isn't too hand-holdy and seems more inviting and that there's an integration between the gameplay and what's happening on the screen um, that's becoming enticing for you to continue forward i know you had kind of drawn the the idea of like addiction but i know what you're trying to say you're trying to say like is there something that motivates me to keep going past mm -hmm. checkpoint one um for me it's a crack cocaine for me <laughs> for me i will actually say that mine differs more from you guys than i thought it would mm -hmm. i am all about wonderment like if you can make me feel like, I am 12 or 6 in your video game every single time. I am almost certainly going to be hooked because I'm looking at my list of games. And without getting mm -hmm. into any details right now, every single one of these beginnings to me are strong because I want to do stuff. Like, I'm like, I haven't played a single moment of the game. I just booted it up. And either someone's doing something intense, either something's gigantic and I want to go run through the fields. Literally, in a lot of games, I like running through fields, um, preferably on a horse. But like if mm, Breath of the Wild, huh? it's not on there, but it should have been. I should have put it on my list. We may get into that because um, Breath of the Wild's beginning is strong. Um, but I was going to say that like every game that has a strong beginning to me. Mm -hmm. Literally, that beginning is so strong that it will shape the whole game for me. Um, there are a few exceptions. There are some games that have slow beginnings for me that um, end up becoming really some of my top games. But right. if you have a strong beginning to me, almost always your entire game will be great to me. If you can give me that sense of wonder and the need to like explore. So... And that has nothing to do with mechanics for me because I thought about it. I was like, I don't care about tutorials popping up every three minutes. Um, I don't care. I actually, I will say this. I actually dislike more games. Um, and Arnold, you will be able to convince me otherwise because I see one of these games on your list that don't handhold me at all at the beginning. Um, a very what? famous series of games um, yeah. from, from software is known for this. Um, <laughs> but... I still like those games. I just don't enjoy their stories, um, which we will get into, I'm sure. So we each kind of have our thing. And I, I definitely think that all three of ours 
are also part of each other's like idea of like a good beginning. I just find it interesting that we distilled these particular things. Um, Cause I agree with Dustin. Like I like a medium between hand holding and not. And I also agree with Arnold. Like I, I enjoy a good, if the text crawl is interesting, like if I'm playing, yeah, I will say not to hate on the text crawl too much. I mean, I do, I, I do, do still enjoy Star Wars, and it's it's always <laughs> text crawl. Oh, jeez, uh, but that's the Bible you're reading. <laughs> but yeah, it's got to be sort of uh, something to get you immediately either hooked because there's a mystery, or hooked because there's like some action immediately, or a sense of wonder. Um, when you said the sense of wonder thing, another good example of that for me was uh, Monster Hunter World. I remember it starts pretty strongly with that oh, sort of like, wow, huh. okay, go ahead. It's Come like, on. yeah, because there's sort of that. Oh, look, there's there's stuff. Oh, let's. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second before we get into our games, because I totally disagree. Oh. Monster Hunter was so intimidating to me at the beginning. And I'll say this as a person that has seen people play Monster Hunter. I think mm-hmm. in my mind, all I could think about literally the entire time was how much grinding am I going to have to do? <laughs> like, that's all I thought. Of. I was like, this world is huge. That's a lot of grind. Like, I'm going to grind everything. The leaves, the dust, the water, the air I breathe. I'm going to have to grind for breathing points. I'm going to have to, like, grind for, like, walking points. Make sure you level up your your, uh, cardio here. Got to level up my cardio and my strength. And I got to know the funny thing is I joke, but stamina is a thing in that game. Stamina is a thing. It's, It's definitely, Monster Hunter World is definitely more streamlined. But the sense of wander in that game has never it's weird for me the game that's all about exploring this environment is taken away because i only have one motivation and that is to go commit genocide against a populace who doesn't know what i am um so like i i i don't now don't get me wrong i'm not disagreeing with how you felt about it but i am saying for me when i played monster hunter world it was a sense of well shit this is going to take a few <laughs> like hours. It sounds like you're anxious to play that game. I'm very... So, as I've told you guys before, I don't like games that are... Um, the center um, around the game is grind. Um, and these That's are fair. games These are games that people actually enjoy a lot nowadays. So, your farming simulators like Stardew Valley, Monster Hunter World. These are games that are all about the grind. I don't like them because... These games for most people are relaxing, you know. I know Monster Hunter can give or take and be relaxing or not. But um, these games for the most part will be relaxing for you. They are not relaxing to me because I like I have to get my numbers up. I have to, oh no, I have to. Do, and then Monster Hunter World, um, there was a point where I found a rhythm to it. But mm-hmm. I have found the rhythm and I had no motivation to get more armor. But that's what you need to fight other monsters. I don't like that part. I was like, I like the armor I have. I like the weapon I have. I'm pretty good at this game. Oh, I want to fight that new monster. Well, the armor I have right now will get destroyed. So I need to go kill four other monsters. Um, That kills my hype. I know know it gets some people going, Arnold. Um, But like... Hold up now. Hold (laughs) till that, man. I mean it I in a good way. You, but that grind is not as hard as you think it is. It's 
<laughs> so okay, here here's two things. One. Also, you... one thing that. Uh huh. One thing they introduced actually, like just after they launched the new monster is layered armor. All the previous armors you can just have layered over your your armor. Oh you, yeah, no, it's like a skin on something. No, I I get that. What I mean, what I was going to say, is, on one hand, you're right. The grind is not the worst in the world. That being said, there is a significant grind in that game. It is literally designed that way, and you like grinding games. Like, and you're exceptionally good at grinding games. So, for you, the grind may be nothing. For me, that is a lot of time on one game. Um, I don't know, man. I just usually get through them quick. I don't know why. That's because you like the grind. You probably aren't getting through it quick. You're just... <laughs> it's just like, you're... oh, ha, I spent 72 hours in this game. How did that happen? Oh, well. <laughs> look back up. Oh, I spent like 200 hours in this. For instance, how long, how much, how many hours have you spent in Monster Hunter World alone? I have no idea. I haven't checked. Okay, exactly. Mm, <laughs> and I know how long you've had this game, and I've seen you play the game, and I've seen your uh, your armor and stuff outlook. I I I definitely know you have played well over a hundred hours. You have probably played well over two hundred hours. I would not be surprised because I know how long you have played other games. <laughs> <laughs> not saying any of this is bad. I'm just saying from perspective. <laughs> like you enjoy the grind so okay i'm pretty <laughs> sure everyone listening has been like well get into the game beginnings that are good so <laughs> instead um, of telling us how much we need to grind in monster, monster hunter. hunter i don't want to <laughs> play that game anymore <laughs> uh, but anyway back to begin back to the beginning i the beginning will, of the beginnings I, i'll let you start destin um on one of your games that you would like to bring up for beginnings Ooh, this is this is tough actually. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I see so got a good one. <laughs> a really strong beginning to go really old school. And gosh, there's that ego raptor video out there that's going to say everything that lemons. Say again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, lemons. Um, but yeah, so um, Mega Man X, the original Mega Man X, is mm. a really strong game for me in terms of a good opening because it doesn't handhold you mm. overtly. That's that's sort of the key. It walks you yeah. through sort of the <laughs> fundamentals. Mm -hmm. It guides telling you, you that it's walking you through the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Things slowly build up. They're like, oh look, there's a thing. Um, maybe you should shoot the thing. Oh look, there's a tiny little gap here. Maybe you have to jump over this. And just little small things that kind of slowly work you up to um, a state where you figure out what you're doing sort of naturally it's actually sort of a really good example of game design in that regards and also they get you a little bit a little bit of story in there i'm not sure i'd call Mega Man x a super story heavy game um but they introduce you to you get an idea that zero is cool and that vile is bad in the first little bit there and a little bit of motivation that x is sort of this this guy that's uh still coming to terms with being a hero here you know what i mean yeah, I, I a little bit of intrigue in a way. I strongly agree with that, and I'll even go as far as to say, I'm going to borrow heavily from Migo Raptor's video here because um, he makes a very solid point on one of the parts in, that you were talking about is that midway through the game, you fight this basically hornet-looking bee thing, and you kill it, and when it dies, it hits the the road in front of you, knocking the road down, mm -hmm. and. 
it makes you you fall down there with it so now you're like i have no idea how to get out of here so you jump and everything and they position the hornet in such a way that makes you have to go towards the wall of that level that it's created and that's where you learn that mega man can now wall jump um that x has the ability to wall jump upward out of that crevice that was created from it and that's the only way to get out so it's teaching Mm -hmm. it's showing you more of the level it's showing you a new skill that you would not have learned unless the game pointed out oh, to yeah. you organically. That one, very yeah. counterintuitive, especially even compared to the original Mega Man, because he would have thought, if I jump at a wall, I could kick off the wall and mm-hmm. climb it. Mm-hmm. Oh, what were you going to say, Arnold? Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. Okay, yeah. I was going to say that, like, that is a strong... Um, like narrative focus of gameplay and mechanics and story all at one situation to get you out of that hole. And then kind of like what Dustin was alluding to was that like with Val and X, you get a like power scaling set. That is the classic anime trope of that. You are now have you, you have already gotten two goals in mind in the game. Um, Val kicks your ass. Zero comes in and kicks his ass. And so you're like, well, how strong is Zero that he's kicking the ass of the guy who's stomping on me? And so... It, it gives you a goal. You're like, yeah. hey, Zero is really cool. I want to be as... Right. You want to be as cool as Zero. And, yeah. This... I still want to be as cool as Zero, but anyway. I used to want to be as cool as Zero. But then I discovered that my hair doesn't grow that way. And yeah. it will never... Yeah. I still... I still want to be a cool zero. I have my hair grows like that. So. You want to be um, the other zero, though. You want to be future zero down the line. Or do you want to be zero from X? No, I'm, uh, no I'm from the future. Okay. You're kind of chopping up there, Arnold. Just give you a heads up. Oh, really? Yeah, you're coming in clear now. But anyway, um, I was going to say, yeah... Um, Agreeing with Dustin's beginning on Mega Man X, I think Mega Man X gives you a very, very, very like strong beginning. Um, and like we said, Ego Raptor, who's a very famous YouTube gaming personality at this point, and also voice actor um, at this point, he has a very, very, very like strong um, video about Mega Man's beginning, like X in the original Mega Man's beginning. And everything we talked about is in that video, but yeah, still does not subtract from what Dustin is saying that this is a strong beginning to a game, particularly from a gameplay standpoint. Like, it's strong. So, yes. Right. yeah, Arnold. Oh. Get her! <laughs> uh, a good game, I think, or like, on my list. As um for Metroid Fusion, because yeah, because like I said before, I like a good game or a begin good beginning for a game for me. It's like it tells you a little bit of story of what's happening, and you I get to learn a bit about the world. And in Metroid Fusion, there's like a little cutscene that happens in the beginning of the game, where it's like it shows you, oh here was here's what Samus was. Now she's on a mission. Oh. To Hold on, Arnold. I'm going to cut you off for just a second. You are chopping up fiercely. And I think you're trying to, like, make your point, but some of it's getting dropped off. Is it just me? Uh, No, it's a little choppy for me, too. Okay. 
I think he's adjusting it. Do not adjust your television set. <laughs> we control the Wait, horizontal. We control the vertical. Sorry. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you say, Arnold? It's, no, it's saying you smack the TV, right? Make a sound. Yeah, you can like hit it really, really hard. Just smack that joker. Do I sound better? You do. You're coming in a little bit better. So go ahead. Go back. Sorry, I had to cut you off. I don't want your point getting lost. Go ahead. No, that's fine. Um, what I was saying was, in the beginning of Metroid Fusion, when you boot it up, there's a little, there's a, there's a small cutscene that happens that shows where Samus was and where she currently is, and she's like on this planet, right? Um, and she's going in with the team to like fight some monster or whatever, and it turns out this monster is like the ex-parasite that infects her, but she doesn't even realize it. And just in the beginning, when she's on the ship, Heading where they are, she like almost dies. And I'm I'm gonna skip forward from that bit. When you enter, when you start first start playing, you see that Samus is no longer her orange. Because in every game, she's usually orange with her normal armor. She's no, she's blue. It's like this is like her weakest state. This is the weakest you've ever seen her in a game. Right. And then later on, when you go just a little bit, like maybe like five minutes in the game, you would find out that your enemy is you basically it's like a evil version of you wearing your armor and now like throughout this entire game you see that all this damage that it does well you can't do any of that anymore because you're super weak sort of a little bit of what's going on with the uh can y'all still hear me all right yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah. No, I'm extra concerned about it. Uh, with sort of the same sort of thing that goes on with, um, I think a parallel in some ways, what we're saying about Mega Man X is that it gives you a immediate like sense of a goal and also a sense of like entry, I suppose, mm -hmm. because you've got this thing. You're like, why is this thing got my powers? But there's also to some degree a bit of, oh, that thing has my powers. I want those back. Yeah, and it's. Honestly, for me, what it sets in is the motive or the the theme of Metroid Fusion, which is fear. So mm -hmm. in, in the beginning of Metroid Fusion, you are set with the ideal of, like, like Arnold was saying, Samus is now weak and vulnerable. She's not her heavy tank suited form. She's this mm -hmm. little like kind of mobile and sleek looking weird alien she's different she's a she's a different samus and then you see original juggernaut samus going around showing you like how destructive you are with your powers and, oh there's the walls super missile mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and she just literally blows up the walls around her and just waltzes through things that you have to struggle through and even it's showing a narrative connection again like uh, we were saying with x is that um, she's more vulnerable. So she takes more damage from enemies than in any previous installment up until that point. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, like what Arnold is saying, it's a strong connection and narrative around that. Um, yeah, I think it's a strong beginning to a game. It sets mm -hmm. that fear of vulnerability that's throughout all of Fusion. Very excellent game. Well. And they play it again. What about you? <laughs> My turn. So on my list, this is the only one that connects with what you guys are saying. So I'm going to go with it first because it connects with the mechanics of the game. Um, but it also has a strong 
strong narrative in my personal opinion, uh, personal opinion for an opening. Talent Town in the original Pokemon video games in whatever town you're in in gold and silver. Um, the beginning yeah, towns, I just blanked out on that one too. The, the beginning I, feel, towns, I, lost, I think I lost some nerd cred there. Anyway, I, go it's ahead. Fine. Um, the beginning the beginning towns in any of the Pokemon games have some of the strongest beginnings to me ever. Now, before everyone starts getting on their little horses going, Oh my god, Pokemon beginnings are all the same! Well, yes, they are, you dum-dums. You're not dum-dums. But, come on people, think about this. Pokemon is designed to pull people into its world. It is designed to pull particularly kids into their world. And so each installment is going to have a basically the same narrative opening. Now, coming back to why these narratives are so strong. When you play Pokemon, what is the first thing you see? It's well, a professor. It's that weird professor that's named <laughs> yep. after some tree. And the first thing he asks you is your name. And so you're and like... Also, are you a boy or a girl? Yes. Are you a boy or are you a girl? Yeah, so, he, so a couple of, actually a couple of things happen actually. First, he tells you all about Pokemon. He's like, even though you bought this game, you probably looked at the box and you installed it into your your system. You probably still don't know what a Pokemon is. And you're like, I know what a Pokemon is. And he's like, I'll tell you anyway. And he says, he says, Man, there was a certain wonder to it though. The very first time I played Pokemon Red, yeah, back in the day, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I'd watch the cartoon, but you know, at the same time, I was like, what's a Pokemon anyway? And so, and that's the thing. So he'll explain he's what Pokemon's are. And then he'll also kind of show you like a Pokemon next to you. He'll be like, you see this Pokemon? You can't get this Pokemon yet, but this Pokemon you probably want. And it's usually like <laughs> Pikachu or an Nidoran or an Eevee or like something that's really cool that you, that's kind of rare. And so like you, he shows you the Pokemon and then he asks you, like you guys are saying, he asks you your name. So then you already get to create your name. And it's not like other games where the name is already put in, but you can delete it and kind of be like, no, that's totally not Chrono's name. No, that's not Link's name. Like, this character has no name. You have to name them. So you can either create your little puppet with your sick god complex, or you can create yourself. Either way it goes, going to have some weird metaphysics going on here. So you can make yourself already in the game. So it's like, my name is Jimmy Jam. And so you're like, you've made little Jimmy Jam. And if the professor hasn't already asked you why your character is named Jimmy Jam, um, he's going to be like, so. Is that right? Jimmy Jam? <laughs> he's going to be like, so what um, What gender are you? And I believe that came later on in the games. Yeah, um, originally you just were. Uh, you, you were just, just were a boy. Um, oh, yeah. And so they There's ask you. Girls didn't play video games. Mm. Yeah, That's like. Up. And so, like, they give you a choice. Pokemon actually got a little more progressive pretty quickly, honestly. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't take too long. And so they ask your gender, and then, of course, now you're set. And now you're going into the world of Pokemon. Then the next thing that happens is that your character, they show this cool picture of your character being all cool with his back to the wall, all over 90s. Ah, look at me. And then they shrink you down to a little tiny thing. So it's already like, ooh, look, I know what I look like now. But this is how I look like in this world. And so they shrink you down, and then you're inside of your house. 
Um, in some games, you're inside of the moving truck. We won't get into the child laws around having a child inside the moving van. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of an issue. Yeah. And actually, you know, in most states, I think you're not even supposed to be in the back of the moving truck anyway. Right, no, not at all. And so, but the authorities don't know it won't hurt them. This pissed. is true, and the laws are very I mean, this is also a place where... So if there's a criminal on the street, people don't show up with like, hey, you're under arrest. They're like, hey, let's have a Pokemon battle. Right. And so hold on. So getting back to that, though, this part is important. So this is another part that's important. Everyone always wants Pokemon to be tailored towards them at the age they're at. But it shouldn't be because every protagonist is 12 years old. Like they're always 12 or at least at max age, probably 15. And so... <laughs> You are a tween and are a teenager, and this is the first time you are setting foot out in the world, and you start off in your room with video games and computers and posters. They're setting up this character's life already, and you go down into the, um, the downstairs, and your parent is there, typically your mom, who is handling everything in this house, um... <laughs> Because your dad is just not around to do He's stuff. A He's a deadbeat. And so she says, you know what? Get out of the house. I don't want to look at your face right now. Because she's tired. And so you leave. And you're like, fine. <laughs> and so you leave. And you can go talk to people in your town. And this, is, this actually to me is ingenious. The town is typically only four to five buildings big. And it's in a very square space. Meaning, mm -hmm. you can't go anywhere else except in your town. So you're already given the ideal set that you can explore each building and interact with each character in this world. Then you also know that you can go into like that laboratory, typically, that people will say. And either the laboratory is locked or the person that you need to speak to is not there. So then you leave, and there's literally no other choice but to be funneled out of the town. And, yep, and you're a kid, and you're oh, like, "Oh, look! I guess I'll just go into this grass." But wait, yes. So you go into the grass, and someone <laughs> says, "Hold up, motherfucker! Where you going?" And you're like, "Uh, uh, what?" And he's like, "You can't be going in no grass without no lawnmower." And you say, "Dad," <laughs> and, then, and you, and then you, you wake up from your fever dream, and they say, "No." You need a Pokemon, you dumbass. And then this old guy who you saw in your fever dream in the beginning of the game, he's the same professor, and he's like, hey, dog, I'm going to teach you about catching Pokemon. And he, he just throws the Pokeball and catches it. That is the only that, that is the only thing in Pokemon that is done poorly. Yeah, because <laughs> he, like, he, he should actually fight him. Do they ever fix that? I'm not, I think in the other ones they later they they do show you that you need to battle to catch. But I do remember I sometimes he's like, "Hey, what I just did, don't do what I did." Right. You, you got to tweak it. You got to you got to do a little bit more. Do so what he, I say, don't do what I do. Exactly. So he catches the Pokemon, and then he takes you back into his house. So far, so good, right? This guy's nice. This world is cool. He's about to give you a Pokemon, and here are the two things that will give you your motivation to go out into the world once you get into this laboratory. One, some peon jackass walks into the room and starts calling you all sorts of obscenities. He didn't said a plague on your house. He said a plague on your mama. He didn't say all the mama jokes he knows. And it turns out this jerk is the professor's grandchild. And you like, I would love to meet your parents because 
Something went wrong. And <laughs> Something this nature, happened in between here. This nature versus na- nurture situation. And so yeah. he says, well, he's going to be someone who's going to do some work for me just like you. And you're like, oh, I'm getting a job? And he's like, sure, it's a job. You don't Isn't get paid. This, it's job labor laws? Wait, no. <laughs> and so he gives you a, a Pokedex, which is basically an encyclopedia on Pokemon as you catch them and you learn about them. So one of the off the set, you get two motivational factors. You have a rival who is introduced to you, and then you are given a Pokedex that tells you that you need to try your best to catch all the Pokemon to learn about the game and set out in this world. And then the rival does something that I think really sets the key for the challenge in Pokemon, in my personal opinion. He picks whatever Pokemon you have, and he picks the weakness of that Pokemon. That is already setting off a challenge for you. That every time you meet him, you will have a handicap. He has an advantage over you. You will have a handicap. So you have to always constantly be thinking about being better than him because you will always technically have a handicap against him. Um, And you know what? That's that's important because you want to be the very best. Right. Like no one ever was. Yes. Okay. So and, I had to spy, I had to spy. <laughs> and no, all the Pokemon games are set up in this way, and it's a genius way to do it because it gives you motivation to keep going at every single game, and this is why these games are so successful. And like, I'm actually going to have to stop you right there. Because that's only the older games that do that. The newer games, actually, the opposite happens. They pick the Given? weakness to your point. Hold on now. I gave some distinction. I did say the original ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what were you saying, Arnold, that the, the newer ones do now? Oh, some of the newer Pokemon games, like on the 3DS, uh, your rival picks a Pokemon that's weakest to yours. Oh, I've heard about that. That's like the Sun and Moon one, isn't it? But isn't Sun and Moon, Blackfly? Isn't the Sun and Moon and Black and White ones though? You get like multiple rivals. Uh, I I think Black and White. Okay. No X. No Y X and yeah Y and X. Yeah, multiple rivals. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, as far as the original ones, and that's the one I was going off of, they are structured in a way that uses the narrative to combine with the 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 gameplay mechanics that gives you a motivation to go out into this world and explore, to learn more about the Pokemon world. Um, and I just think it's a really strong one. I feel that it connects more with what you guys were saying when it comes to, like, Mega Man and Metroid Fusion that it's tying in narrative with the mechanics. Um, and I mm-hmm. think all the games on our list do, do that, but I feel that one is one of the more obvious ones. Yeah. Um, but okay, mm-hmm. rolling back around to Dustin again. Another strong beginning, you feel. That's good. So this one's a little more in the vein Pokemon, but this is a game that really stuck with me. Um, and I think it stuck with a lot of people is Chrono Trigger. Because Chrono Trigger approaches the beginning a little bit differently because it gives you an immediate goal, but it's not quite as exciting as, oh, this is Vile and Vile's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But rather, you're, you've got a fair to go to. It's a millennial fair, and it's sort of pressing because it's like, you know, once every millennium, I don't think you're going to be able to wait around for the next one. Um, although, ironically, in Chrono Trigger, yeah, that might actually work. But Spoilers! Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it kind of throws you into the situation where you just kind of get to hang out a little bit. You know, it's so, sort of a slow start, but it does give you a chance to explore a little bit, figure out things on your own. 
Um, it actually lets you try out combat in a safe environment by fighting Gato, who has metal joints, big robot that mm-hmm. your, your best friend built. Um, and then once you kind of had some time to play around, do some mini games, kind of figure out how things work, then it hits you with, and it kind of gives you some goals, right? Um, but when the intrigue hits, it hits in a big way because, you know, you meet this girl, Marl, and Marl walks you through, um, goes around the fair with you, and that kind of gives you an incentive to check everything out. But then, um, yeah, she she uh, gets involved in your friend's experiment and gets thrown into a strange blue portal, and things just kind of unfold from there. I, I would also say when it comes to Chrono Trigger... Chrono Trigger, I would not say it has a slow beginning. I think it mm-hmm. has a JRPG beginning. And mm-hmm. that was what I some people fair. what some people may narrate as slow. Like, oh, nothing's died in the first five minutes. <laughs> What's this? Um, but I also think what... Um, for me, Chrono Trigger, the reason it's beginning is strong is it is heavily tied into everything that will come afterwards in some Mm -hmm. cases quite literally get it some cases quite literally anyway um if you play chrono trigger you will get that one but Mm -hmm. when it comes to chrono trigger i i think it's one aspect that people need to understand is that chrono trigger hence the name chrono is about time travel um and like dustin has said it's the millennium fair and like it happens once every there's a lot of a lot of foreshadowing there's a lot of foreshadowing but it also sets up chrono triggers in my opinion it sets up its tone that chrono Mm -hmm. trigger has a lot of cheerful segments and a lot of intercomedy but it also has some holy crap well this is happening moment in the spare of the moment kind of thing yeah it does a good job of pacing a lot of those things there are some really high 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 very emotional moments at some points in the story. I guess another way to think about it is while it's a, that's the beginning beginning um, and it's fairly linear in a lot of ways, it does a, the really, I guess the the end of the first act is also sort of the end of the beginning when the party kind of, oh no, spoilers on a 20 year old game. Um, <laughs> the party kind of resolves that if that in 1999 Oh well, hold on. Let me let me clarify this real quick. Arnold, do you ever plan on playing Chrono Trigger? It's <laughs> oh, an excellent game point. with an I excellent do, but score. It's, it's all right. You can go ahead. Are you sure? I own a copy of. Chrono I've actually Trigger. already. I actually already spoiled myself on the endings. Oh wow! Really? Okay. Okay. So warning for anybody: if you are at home and you don't <laughs> want to be spoiled on Chrono Trigger, old game though. Stop! Stop the <laughs> stop the presses. Um. Yeah. When they when the party re- realizes that in 1999. Lavos, this big giant monster, is going to wake up and end the world and leave it in a horrible con- condition, functionally in the world, I guess. It winds up sort of weird Mad Max land. But um, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and that they, they can they can travel through time, so maybe they should do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it sets up all of that within the game. And it's not all set up that, like, knowing that they need to defeat, like, Lavos immediately is not, like, set up quite as soon. But it is. Uh, higher, it's it's higher up in the the part of a video game, and um, really clever JRPGs can set that up. I've seen a couple of kind of our JRPGs do that, but I do think Chrono Trigger does have a very strong beginning because it does. I will say, just the chasing your friends through time at the very beginning is a strong enough motivation at the beginning of the mm-hmm. game to get you going through the game. 
like forget the lavas thing that's strong yeah. enough to pull you in and keep you going because now you're in another time period so then your next motivation after getting your friends is how do i get back mm-hmm. so like there's always and, something going yeah like they, they find you find marl but then marl appears and it's like oh no why did she disappear somebody's messing with the time stream mm-hmm. yeah i i think it's a very strong beginning to a game and it just moves kind of always throws action it's very reactionary as a story but in sometimes video games you need it to be a little bit reactionary yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. not every game can be monster hunter which incentivizes you to grind constantly yeah <laughs> um so okay arnold the best the game. oh my goodness uh, arnold ball is back in your court Tell me another one of your beginnings. This one's kind of, I think, in this almost the same vein of Metroid Fusion. So. That's okay. <laughs> uh, but of Mega Man Zero, specifically the second game. Oh, yeah. Mega Man Zero. Uh, I honestly do not remember much of the first game. <laughs> well, that's fine. What about two sets it apart then at the beginning? At the beginning. So. Number two, it's what it's kind of like similar is that from because that's similar from Metroid Fusion is that it starts off with Zero walking through a desert all by himself. Mm-hmm. Now there is like this fucking there is like a sprawling dialogue on the screen that is scrolling by, so it is kind of mm-hmm. slow in the beginning. But then you see uh, there's the after it all goes away, there's a little cutscene. And there's like just the music in the beginning, just like is like rather mellow. Mm-hmm. It's showing, you know, it matches the. He's in a wasteland because he has like a. There's a there's a desert, everywhere. You know, there's, there's a sandstorm that's happening. He has a coat on despite the fact yeah, he's, he's got the. Uh, he's he's got the classic anime poncho like. He has the anime yeah, poncho that was derived in the '90s and '80s. If you were a character <laughs> in the desert in '90s anime. But then, yeah. like, after all that spawn text happens, there's like a, you hear, like, um, there's a little cutscene that plays that has a whole bunch of um, Mavericks. For those who don't know, Mavericks are robots that go, kill, go around killing people in the world of Mega Man. And you just see him, like, rip off the poncho, and there's, like, this epic, like, like shot of him looking backwards towards the enemy. And you just, and then like the music just goes from mellow to hype as hell. I will never forget the intro music of that, of the first level of Mega Man, uh, Mega Man Zero Two. Yeah, um, music. Yeah, the music really does play a big difference. I remember that scene very well too. Now that you described it to me, I was sitting there like, yeah, I remember this opening. And yeah, I think that really does capture a lot of the character in some ways there. It also sort of frames Zero, I think, in a way that's sort of important for his his character. And that, once again, we all want to be like Zero. Maybe that's the subtitle of this episode. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. because he's, he's a robot samurai in some ways. You know, he's got these the Ronin there, you know, just kind of wandering through the desert. And he's confronted with conflict and has to draw his sword, you know? And it's not like he just... It's not just like okay, here's just zero. I'm not going to action. No, he's he's like that that screenshot that they show. He has battle damage on him. When you start, first start that level, he's gripping his arm because. It's mm-hmm. So it's like a 
Yeah, I do remember that. It's like a it's like a road to recovery kind of thing. Yeah. Like he is yeah. the fallen warrior from the last game that he struggled with and now he's kind of trying to reach the loner his... who wants to not involve other people but, in his problems. You know, what's he fighting for? Yeah, what am I fighting for? What am I fighting for? <laughs> you guys <laughs> did easy. a little too subdued and not bad uh, at all. I got What am I fighting for? <laughs> If anyone doesn't know, Mega Man X4 had shitty voice acting. Um, oh, good and it was so bad. Hey, Capcom, if you want to release X4, redub the voice acting, please. Um, but yes, I actually... Put both in there. We got to keep the bad dub too, though. I agree <laughs> that it is definitely something that is about that beginning that sets it apart, that like makes you feel kind of vulnerable, but also kind of like, oh, I'm weaken and in this state i'm still capable of fighting um, yeah i think it's pretty strong that's sort of a good need for that balance there i'm going to ask you guys because i have two that have very very strong things and i can go into detail okay. about them both but this is <sighs> yeah these are strong ones and i'm only going to keep us down to two beginnings because we're running a little bit over and we have another thing to do but I was going to say, you guys tell me if you want to hear why Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty is a good one, or why Devil May Cry 3 and other Platinum games, the ones I've played, are very strong. I'm going to go with Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry. Yeah, let's do some Devil May Cry. Devil May Cry All right. is fresh on people's minds because they just got yeah. a, good, a good sequel. So up until this point, we have been talking about how a game can teach you something. We have been talking about how games can make you feel vulnerable, but give you motivations. The beginning of Devil May Cry 3 and a lot of Platinum games are the exact opposite. They are not <laughs> trying to make you feel that you have motivation to do anything. You already are the motivation. You are the hype. You are the strong character in the room. Devil May Cry 3, for all of those who do not know, starts off with the most perfect, cliche, I am overpowered crap you can ever get in your angsty teenage lives. <laughs> you are inside of what's essentially a smoky bar, which is kind of where Dante keeps his like detective agency going, his, his like, <laughs> helping agency going, with neon signs outside of his door. It is raining, already queuing all the angst. Dante is sitting in what looks to be We've a very... We've suddenly entered a noir detective novel, or a detective D movie. Dustin, not, sorry, not Dustin. Dante is already sitting in what looks like an overly elaborate fancy chair from ancient times. <laughs> that who knows how he got it behind that scrawny little desk. He is sitting in his weird tight pants with his big boots. On there with a large pepperoni pizza on his table <laughs> with the phone ringing off the hook. He is not paying any attention. Attention, Actually, in Devil May Cry 3, all of that is still happening. He's not in the chair yet. He's getting out the shower. He comes out of the shower and he is wiping his hair off with a towel. And then he sits down fully average and cut to the T and eating pizza like it's no one's business. The phone rings. He picks up the phone. No one answers. Or I think they say something like, are you ready to die? Dante says, whatever. Hangs up the phone. Goes back to his pizza. What do you think happens next? I'll tell you what happens next. <laughs> 
30,000 demons come out of nowhere. It's only like eight, really. But, like, they come out of nowhere. And they staff him with scythes. Just stab him. They don't ask questions. They just stab him. What does Dante do next, everyone may ask? I'm sure you're all asking this question at this point. Dante casually walks over to his jukebox that is 20 feet from his desk with a slice of pizza in his hand, dragging these dumbfounded demons by his back who think he should be dead. He then says, it's time to rock. So he then takes his finger presses the button the jukebox does not work so he presses the button again the jukebox does not work so he decides forget the button he smashes the jukebox almost in two it cuts on there's a cascade of rock music the demons are coming in dante takes one of his guns and he says well let's do this thing dante i believe he either has his sword or something but he takes his gun and he's he, actually no, he doesn't take his gun. First off, he beats the demons with his bare hands. He just starts smacking them off, just smacking them off. And then he kicks a pool table up in the air. The cue balls are all floating around. He shoots one of the balls and they bounce around, killing half of the demons. Then Dante takes his sword and they say, let's do this. And now you are in the area fighting um, the demons. Are you looking up the cutscene, Justin? <laughs> no, not yet, but okay. soon. But I was going to say that is the beginning of the Devil May Cry three, and because of that, the 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 intro to Devil May Cry three already addresses several things in the game. One, you are a badass. Two, you are Dante. Three, these are synonyms of each other. Um, and so <laughs> like, they really are. Let's be honest. Um, it is one of the most hyped ways to start a video game off. It shows you after afterwards, of course, you start doing combat and you start getting into the, the way that Devil May Cry 3 performs combat. Now, I said Devil May Cry is within like the Platinum Games area. It's not. It's done by Capcom. Platinum Games is another area. But they all go into what's known or collectively known as character action games. I don't really subscribe to that. I just call them action games. But character action games also works. And um, in these games, you are always given the sense of power. You are never mm -hmm. given a sense of being weak. Um, as a matter of fact, the game puts you on a threshold of really powerful and you only go up higher. I haven't played it yet, but I've been seeing a lot of like triple S modes, no damage with Dante and something something character from Devil May Cry 5. And they're like... People are taunting the enemies and constantly dodging the whole time. And it's all about looking as clean and cool as you can during the combat. And I feel that's a really mm -hmm. strong beginning to a game in that sense of a game. The game is all about the thrill. It's all about the excitement. It's one of the um, games that the awe factor, the wow factor, the wonderment factor is being this overpowered character. Same thing goes for Bayonetta, you know, stuff like that. She's basically the same side, um, the other side of the same coin is where it's like you're a woman doing all of this, but same thing. You're stylistically throwing out all these different things and it's always over the top, showing how powerful she is. Um, and so, yeah, for me, that's what makes Devil May Cry 3 so strong as a beginning. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a very different tone, but that's the tone of that game. You're supposed to be the cool action hero. There's no waiting for uh, to get, get that power back. It's a very different uh, different goal there, but I think it sounds like it really succeeds at it. Really need to go back and play more. Yeah, there, there's like no expo- like exposition at the beginning. Just a really cool cutscene that happens at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Really cool cutscene, and then that cutscene translates into you doing really cool fighting. Um, and yeah, I think it's just really, really, really strong as a beginning to, um, a video game, in my opinion. So I think what we kind of have surmised that with all these openings in video games is that a beginning of a game is setting up like, you know, tone, it's setting up some gameplay mechanics, depending on the game It's setting up your narrative, it's setting up your motivation. I think is a good way to highlight all the things that all these games kind of give us. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the strongest point in everything we said, though, is the motivation factor of none of these games would keep us going if we didn't have a reason to continue. You know, Mm -hmm. Fusion and Mm -hmm. um, Mega Man Zero 2's opening, they both kind of counteract with the weakened states and like feeling vulnerable and gaining your strength back to what you were um mega man x and pokemon definitely have that sense of like um gameplay mechanics mixed in with a narrative focus and a reason to continue to get stronger chrono trigger and devil may cry have a strong focus on introducing the theme and the the like carrying on of plot points for your like narrative going forward and addressing what the characters are as individuals and all these kind of tie into each other to kind of create like Mm -hmm. what we focus as for like beginnings of games um and i urge you all who are listening please like let us know like in the comments of any of these things or you know reaching out to us in our emails like letting us know what would be your like what would be your um beginnings will be strong beginnings for you guys and what beginnings mean to you because they could be different things um for different people in games yeah what makes a strong beginning what makes a memorable beginning what makes a really bad beginning if that's really what uh what you want what you want to share yeah like what makes a bad like beginning for you when it comes to things like that so um kind of going no, now that i'm thinking oh go ahead you know some games just this sent a bad beginning of a game. It's like, oh, here's a layout of all the buttons and what they do. <laughs> they just stab a screenshot of what each button does, and that's it. I will admit I have played a few games where I've spent so long getting through all the tutorials and explaining to me that by the time I'd actually got to the action, I was like, you know, I, I want to kind of put this down for a little bit. You know a game <laughs> does that that I cannot get past and continue playing that everyone loves? Um, What's that? The Witcher 3. Ooh. Uh, a lot. Ooh. All the Witcher games do it, and The Witcher is a series that I've read the books of, and I do not enjoy. I do not enjoy the games, but I love the story and I love the characters. And it's because every single Witcher, particularly the third one, you're literally in a training ground, and you're like, "Do this," uh... and I'm like, "Why? Why are they making like Geralt the seasoned Witcher warrior do the training ground?" So, in other words, and this is a topic for a whole other episode. There's that problem with uh, uh, what's the word for immersion? Yes, 
Yeah, sort of the exact opposite of the fish situation with Dante, where they immediately convince you how cool you are, or the situation with Samus and Fusion, where they immediately convince you how cool Samus is, but she's vulnerable right now. Yeah. Um, or, yeah, or gives you a goal. It's like, hey, you're really cool and awesome, except apparently you need training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I feel that, yeah. It, I, I don't think The Witcher is a bad game. I just don't enjoy it because at that point, I'm like, I know Geralt's a badass. Why am I training? Like, it just mm. breaks me out. Pseudo-narrative um, dissonance, but... Yeah. Well, anyway. So, I was going to go into our last segment. And this is kind of a segment that I'll be headlining. We're thinking of changing every segment every three weeks. I mean, well, every week for every three weeks total and so for this week three week rotations three week rotations tri-week rotations mm. so um for this week my segment that i think we will be doing is we're going to in hold your applause for the name because i just figured out what name i want um uh-huh. this is going to be known as professor butternuts <laughs> <laughs> Analyzing <laughs> butternut. Butternut is a tree. <laughs> it's true. And I, it's also a squash. And yes, yes. <laughs> and I like saying the word butternut because nah, it sounds it sounds so cute. Anyone who has a dirty mind, yeah. fine, that's fair. But I think butternut sounds hilarious. Like if you just uh, hear yeah. Professor Butternut, it's just fun to say. <laughs> so everyone butternut. knows. Um, the reason I chose Butternut is because Butternut is a tree. And for those of you who have played Pokemon, all the professors are named after trees or plants of some sort. Fair enough. Um, and so I have Professor Butternut's Corner, where I will be analyzing characters and their mentalities um, from not an overly deep psychological perspective, but a little bit of that. But then also just getting into the nuances of the character. It doesn't have to be this highbrow philosophical stuff. But kind of like breaking down each characters and their motivations of what makes them this character and what makes them attractive or makes them think in the world that they live in. And so I figured for the first character in Professor Butternut's Analyzing Corner, um, we would choose a, a very kind of universally known character at this point, almost well known as um, Superman, but not as much. Um, Goku, Son Goku from Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z for people in the States, and Dragon Ball Super for people who are still sticking with it. Notice there's another thing here that we, we left out we, intentionally. We can... We'll just dra- not mention. Dragon Ball. Let's just... Dragon Ball GT. Um, like, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, if for those of you who are listening to this and who look at anime and don't know who Goku is... I will explain it to you. You really should know who Goku is. Because chances are, whatever show... You don't character... have to watch it, but you should know who Goku Yeah. For those of you who think your shonen character is the best shonen character, they are only modifications of Goku. They are just updated versions of Goku. Are Goku with DLC content. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, not it at all. make them in fear. And sometimes it actually is imperfect. Yes. As but... a matter of fact... Some versions of Goku that are out there are far better than Goku. Ninja Goku, Samurai Goku. 
Ninja Goku is Goku. not an improvement on Goku. No. Oh, Ninja yeah. Goku is for those of you who don't know who Ninja Goku is, that's Naruto. Um, um <laughs> Naruto is not better than Goku by any stretch of the word. Um, but he Nope, nope, he's not better than Goku. I, I have nothing. <laughs> um I was going to say he, he he's, he's got some he's got a different got some different motivations. If I some... compare his kid version to Goku's kid version, they are equal. If I compare yeah. their teenage and adult versions, they are both crappy except... Oh, I'll give you this. Naruto's fully adult version is a little bit better than Goku's, but it's still having the same problem as Goku. Yeah, it, it, the character as well. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, actually, let's, let's, let's go into Goku. So Goku, for those of you who don't know, Goku is what's known as a Saiyan. Or mm-hmm. Saiyan Jin, I believe sometimes it's pronounced in the Saiyan Japanese Jin. version. Funny thing! This is a little tidbit. Professor Veternut did not know when he was when he was younger and when people started using SJW as an insult. I had been so ingrained in anime culture. The abbreviation for Super Saiyan used to be SSJ. So my brain twisted SJW into SSJ for Super Saiyan. So when people used it in the nerd community, I was like, why is everyone calling everyone a Super Saiyan? Like, what what is this about? This and why is this woman upset? I did not know this. Why is this why did this woman get upset that someone called her a Super Saiyan? That is a compliment I mean, of the highest a degree. For me, yeah. Um but no, and then I like my brain sooner or later set me down in the corner and said, James. James. It's, these letters are not the same these letters. letters are not the same. They mean completely different things. I was like, oh, okay. I'm not and now I get it. I'm not up to date on insult culture because I try not to insult people. But um It's actually a good policy to be honest. But. Um but yes, so I so Goku is a um a Saiyan from the planet Vegeta. They are a warrior race that essentially they um when they are hurt or near death in battle, they come back stronger and they can look at the moon and turn to giant apes where their power is amplified. They were employed... like a werewolf, except it's a big monkey. Yeah, like a werewolf, but a gigantic monkey. Like everyone can turn into King Kong, but werewolf style. And they were employed basically as like Spartan planet destroyers. And so they were sent off to different planets. Via... I like to think of them as. Really violent real estate agents. Yes, <laughs> they are very violent real uh, estate agents. I forgot where I heard that one from, but they are very violent real estate a- a- agents where they would like. Your eviction notice is they come to exterminate all the life. On they you. usually never gave you a notice about it, and they usually don't ask <laughs> your opinion, and you usually can't move. They just kill you. No. Um, just and then they sell the planets off to Frieza, who is a little pink man that's in a floating thing we'll, we'll get the frieza later at some point but goku is from that race now goku clearly is the hero of the story so he's not in that same vein as normal scenes he was actually brought over to earth in a space pod and landed in a segment of earth and was raised by a nice old man does this sound familiar? Does this sound familiar to anybody? Sound familiar. It just sound really familiar to anyone that's American, basically, and likes comics because it's the same Superman kind of concept. Yeah. 
destroyed planet, fell down onto Earth. Anyway, he suffers from a little bit of amnesia and a concussion when he gets out of the pod. And so he's raised by this character known as Gohan. And Gohan raises him to be a martial arts fighter. Goku, by the way, also has a tail. So Monkey tail. A little monkey tail. So the reason I bring all of this up is to get into Goku's character off the bat. Goku is a very adventurous, mischievous, goofy kid that typically likes to help people, but he likes to help people in his way only. He does not believe in compromise typically so let's say if you are pushing a girl over a rock or something he is going to probably tell you to stop once if you continue to do it he will then kick you in the face goku mm-hmm. goku commands a lot of strength even at this age so getting kicked by goku is very painful yeah one of the very first things he does is he breaks a car so. yes he breaks a car and this is at the age with of, his hands um eight i believe yeah. He does yeah, he's not old at all. Yeah, he's not old at all. Um, and Goku's character, um, and we won't get into like the um, physical look of his character to analyze it, but Goku's character overall is basically to take care of his friends and nature and kind of just live happily on his own and just kind of fighting. Mm-hmm. He enjoys fighting. He's a very big oh, yeah. like, he fighter. Loves fighting. And he craves fighting. He craves food. But he doesn't crave much else. He likes to sleep. He likes to play. He doesn't like to actually hurt people. And this is the part of Goku's personality that I think is really unique. Goku actually loves fighting, doesn't like violence, which those two go hand in hand. But it's a little bit contradictory in a way. Goku enjoys the aspect of battle. He enjoys, he knows when he's fighting that it's going to get rough. But he only mm-hmm. likes it when the people that he is fighting, um, they are willing participants and they want to fight. And that the fight is over only being stronger, not killing somebody, not hurting anybody, nothing like that. Um, and given during some of his battles where life is on the line, he does enjoy the battle still. But his the, the times I've seen Goku the happiest is when he is just straight up fighting, like a mm-hmm. boxing match type thing. He's in an arena no one's going to die. It's just a straight battle. And mm-hmm. Goku, as a child, kind of encompasses all of this in its most pure and unadulterated form. And in my opinion, it's my favorite version of Goku. Goku as a child is one of my favorite shonen protagonists. Not my favorite, but one at the top. Because he mm-hmm. is he is very blunt and very real with individuals. And in that he is like very open and um like sometimes a little too open a little for some too open taste. Yeah, okay. yeah yeah he's very rude he's very like um innocent and ignorant of things he doesn't um one interesting thing about goku is that he literally for the longest time did not see gender yeah, everybody he's kind of like oh, this idea yeah <laughs> he would he would actually he would there's there's a very weird perverted scene if you are not Goku, because the people who made this clearly were adults and were perverted, but the, what Goku is interacting in this way, he's discovering the genitalia of the difference between men and women. Mm-hmm. He, he has no other desire other than to be like, what the heck's going on? 
but because he mm-hmm. was not raised in like what we know as society and stuff like that. He, he's raised in the woods. He was raised in the woods man. with an old man. That's the only and no other, other human interaction. Yes, everything else has been animal, and even that was limited too. Right, because it's an old man. So it's like yeah. you have these different um, navigations, and Goku's mindset is so pure that in the universe of Dragon Ball, there's a clout known as um, Nimbus in English, and Kinto Un, I believe, is his name, and. Yeah. Um, Japanese and when you're on the the cloud the Nimbus cloud um you if you are not pure of heart you fall straight through if you are mm-hmm. pure of heart you can ride Nimbus and Goku can always ride Nimbus even up until adulthood mm-hmm. now this is where Goku's character I feel shifts and goes into what I would refer to as almost sociopathic um definitely um some sense of narcissism as well not in very extreme cases, but very, very, very small cases. Goku, once he's an adult, never feels like an adult. He has mm-hmm. a child. He has several children. Um, yeah. And he he interacts with adults. He doesn't always interact with kids. Um, at times... In fact, interestingly, he doesn't often interact with kids. Now yeah. that I think about it. He doesn't. Not too many times. Um, Which is bad, considering he has two of them. But Right. Anyway. That's another thing. Yeah, <laughs> so I was going to get to that. Goku still has this sense of wandering around and not holding on to responsibilities. Um, the fact this becomes a bit of a joke at times. It it's does. like, oh, Goku can't hold down a job. Goku can't hold down a job. Goku can't learn how to get his license correctly. Um, Vegeta has gone to more of his children's births than Goku has. Um, who is another character who we'll analyze later, who is the opposite of Goku. In and, many ways. But also very similar in other ways. But yes. anyway. And so Goku, his character development is kind of non-existent in the sense that he kind of remains as the exact same character um, throughout the series. And it becomes problematic when Goku's like, I've never even kissed Chi-Chi before, and his, his wife. And you're kind of like, but you but, made a what? child but? with her. What? I don't... Um, what? It's, it's very, very weird. Goku yeah. kind of displaces it. But yeah. Um, and I would say that that's definitely signs of like... Because he, he, st- he still, of course, only cares about fighting and doing what he wants to do for himself. And so... Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that he just like puts other people intentionally in harm's way. He comes and saves people and but, he doesn't yeah. try to fight around people. But his goal is not to be a good father. No, you know, not to, at all. to the degree that his former rival near who is who was at one point a planet destroying <laughs> maniac, and somehow still wound up being a better dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Take that as you will. Yeah, yeah. I would say like um, <sighs> Goku is. He is a weird character to analyze because he doesn't change. Everything I said mm-hmm. about him he's as really a child, he's very stagnant, and that's what makes him a weak character to me overall. Um, that doesn't mean he's not a likable character. He's, he's likable through most of this. But... Yeah, I would say this about Goku and what his psychology brings to anime is that he makes a good template for everyone afterwards on how to create shonen protagonists. Mm-hmm. So people, he has a motivation. He wants to get stronger. 
Getting stronger means conflict. And people have highlighted different aspects of Goku and different means. So Yusuke Urameshi, he likes fighting. So that's the part of Goku that's highlighted the most. Um, fighting. But then Yusuke is very different in other ways than Goku. Um, Gone Freaks from um, Hunter Hunter, he highlights the, um, the sociopathic way of Goku. The very nature boy aspect and highlights how um, Goku does not care about how other people are except people who are close to him. But mm-hmm. Gone highlights that in a very destructive way. In a very mm-hmm. like scary, creepy, like this is a dangerous person way. While Goku is just like, just don't hurt people and I won't kick your butt. Gone mm-hmm. is of the ideal set that you can hurt whoever you want as long as it's not my friends. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, to the degree mm-hmm. that Gone will get into him, but Gone at one point befriends a mass murderer because he helps him train. And wow. then he just lets him go because he helps wow. him train because he did something for him, for, for Gone and his friend. So anyway, um, not much else to go into with Goku. Sorry if that wasn't as adventurous as you all may have wanted for the first time. I'm going to go into the deep, the, deep, like, deep um, theory of uh, Goku and how he how he like up the way he is. I should have clarified the beginning of the segment. Oh, wait, what were you going to say? I have a lot. I feel like I should have clarified the beginning of the segment <laughs> before y'all started. Oh no, I know you haven't watched. I don't it. watch. I don't. I haven't watched Dragon Ball. At all. I know who Goku is, but I haven't watched Dragon Ball at all. Dragon Balls at all. So please I excuse w- me if I no, didn't fine. have anything to say. No. I, and I, would, about I would urge people who have not seen Dragon Ball or turned off by Dragon Ball because you grew up off Naruto and stuff like that. To I urge you to watch Dragon Ball proper, just the anime, the original Dragon Ball anime. Um, mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Z is up to the individual. I would never yeah, tell anyone. It's very long. It's long. It and it's often bloated. Yes. it's very Due to bloated. the nature of the anime industry at the time. Right. I would say if you don't read the manga outright, the entirety of the Dragon Ball manga, then just watch the Dragon Ball anime and probably the first two to three seasons of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Um, if you want the whole story of Dragon Ball Z and you spend a long time watching it, I would encourage you to read the manga because it is much more tightly paced, but you won't get the same experience. But if you're just wanting the story, I think that's probably the most condensed way to get it. And you could also look at Dragon Ball Z Kai. Like, yeah, it's pretty condensed too. There are it, it a lot of condensed versions of. Takes it. out a lot of the, the, uh, the fluff. Yeah. Goku There's Goku. also the Abridged series if you want to have a different experience. Oh, yeah. The Abridged <laughs> series, in my opinion, for people who have not seen it, arguably has the um, the best version. Of course, if you've never seen the anime, you will not get 50% of the jokes. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of jokes stem from the anime at large. But overall, Dragon Ball as a manga and a, an anime it's influential because it is good. Um, this is not just hype. Um, and unlike, it sets a lot of standards for a lot of different things. And I, I will say both good this, and bad. Yeah, and and I will say this: no dissing to Naruto. Naruto is very good, but it it won't live up to the hype that's Dragon Ball ever because it doesn't 
set anything. It just builds yeah. off of something that's been there before it. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. I think Naruto, up until the end, <laughs> did it very well. Clarify. Mm-hmm. I think Naruto did great up until the, the Ninja War arc. Um, then it just collapses yeah. on itself. But, yeah. but it is following many of the same patterns that were already so, when Ninja yeah. Arc became like, innovating necessarily. Yeah, when the Ninja Arc basically becomes Dragon Ball Z, like and, yeah, and it's like, it's hmm. really weird that a lot of Naruto fans are like, I don't watch that stupid stuff. I'm like, oh, what you do? Um, but <laughs> anyway, you just didn't realize it. You just didn't realize it, and you thought it was unique and different. It you was thought you were watching. Rasengan is just Naruto saying Kamehameha real fast. Like, um, (laughs) but anyway, that's going to do it for our first episode. Um, Longer than we intended, I think. Yeah, it did. It went a little little longer than we wanted it to. Um, But we are, again, the Key Items podcast. Um, We have a Twitter up and going. We're trying to get that all situated and thrown away. We also will be hopefully plotting on spotify itunes i'm gonna check to see how soundcloud works ready to jump up on there i think soundcloud's pretty accessible yeah i'll I'll, I'll do some research there too cool 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 we'll be at a couple of different areas for you to listen to where you normally check out your podcast we do Um, also have a website right we do have a website it's in the works you can go there i'll have it up on (laughs) on our other things it ain't pretty um It'll get there. We though. all have very busy lives outside of the podcast, and so it makes it a little bit different. Um, yeah. Difficult to get to it, but I will promise you that I will be sprucing that up. Um, if you go there and you see like this weird like apartment building, just know that's the default, um, <laughs> the default <laughs> background to the to the web. You no, know, maybe maybe it's just uh, maybe that's the whole thing. Maybe it's an apartment building. Maybe, maybe that's what we're operating out of. We're operating you never know. Little shaggy New York apartment building. Um, but so yeah, let us know what you think. Please send us your question, questions and requests for certain episodes, our topics you may want to hear, our characters you may want me to review, or mm-hmm. what you may like me to go deeper into for each character. Anyway, if there's things you like. If there's things you don't like, that's good too. Feedback is appreciated. Yeah, and once again, I am James. I'm Dustin. Evan Arnold. And you have been listening to Key Adams. Thank you. And we will catch you later. See ya. Bye. Thank you for playing.